Amen. Do you appreciate that worship? All these wonderful people. <laughs> North 98, uh, there is a uh, collision garage, and out front is a car that says, uh, and it's just all to pieces. I mean, it's crashed in, and uh, it says, this is what happens when you text and drive. And uh, how many of you witnessed today somebody with uh, maybe you thought they might be texting or the, uh, it just as you're traveling around today? Happens all that some of you are, are more well off than others you, you have so you don't have to hold the phone. It's actually in your vehicle and you just speak into the dash of your car. And uh, so, but others uh, just hold it. Uh, Hannah Moore wrote, obstacles are those frightening things you see when you take your eyes off the goal. So if you bring that now for our focus here out of the writings of John in Revelation 3 and dealing with the church there in Philadelphia, we're going to make that we're going to make that connection. Obstacles are those frightening things you see when you take your eyes off the gold, when you take your eyes off the prize, you see the challenges, the lies, the can'ts, the won'ts, the don'ts, the hurts, the pains. All of those things is what you see if you take your eye off the gold. But if you take your eye off the goal spiritually, you will see things that the enemy has created that looks pretty daunting and, and really looks pretty good. And it won't become frightening to you until you realize the consequences staring you in the face. The goal for each of us and our mission statement to know Christ and make Him known, that's our goal. We do that as we talk about Easter, as we talk about Palm Sunday. We had here last night hundreds and hundreds of people for Symphonia. That was, uh, we hosted it. It was an, a wonderful presentation uh, by uh, Southeastern University for veterans. And I've already seen numerous emails today from many of those that were touched because of that event. That's, those are things that we do to know Christ and make him known. That is the ultimate goal. I don't want our congregation, none of you, to just settle for uh, endeavoring to just succeed. That's not the goal. I, I want every person here to strive to go beyond what is called success. I want to reach that level to where when you look at your life, as it may be fading behind you, God, I was able to do more than I ever imagined that I could do. And if you've lived long, most of us in this room have exceeded expectations of your sixth grade elementary school teacher, maybe, or exceeded some of your goals that your brother and your sister thought you would never be able to accomplish. And there are many goals that we have here on earth. And that is, one of my goals is I want to enjoy life. How about you? I don't wake up every morning and say, I'd like to have a miserable day today. You don't have to do that because a lot of times you can have a miserable day unless you look to the other side. And the goal is 
that's going to be different. You can be secure. You know, I, I make positive commitments. I'm positive. I'm confident. And be secure. Most people that are married would like to have a happy marriage. Somebody say amen. Some people would just like to be married. Well, I'm telling you, wish and pray for a happy marriage. Some want to be financially blessed. I don't wake up and say, I'd like to be broke today. How about you? You know, I'd like to not have enough money when I do my bills. Do you know there are actually people who won't look at their bills because they know that they don't have enough money to meet them, so they just kind of hide them away instead of facing the reality. And so you want your children to grow up and your grandchildren to be successful. It's a, it's a craze. We want, don't we want that? We sure do. We want to become more educated. And you'll be a learner, a trustful that you'll be a lifelong learner. Those are all opportunities that we have. And we become more spiritually mature. And that is to grow in the Lord. And most of those goals, listen now, are earned through the challenges that we face in life. You don't automatically become secure, you work towards security. You don't automatically have enough money to be able to pay your obligations, you work. Firstly, you work to control expenses, and then you work to increase the income. If you're going to be successful in having a happy family, guess what? It is pure work. And we earn what we have as it relates to the challenges, and each of us could reach more of our goals. If we had goals, hopefully all of us do, if you're willing to pay the price, if you're willing to focus on them, willing to work to achieve them and seek the counsel and make wise decisions. And I believe that all spiritual and emotional success in life is based on this, one's relationship with Jesus Christ. I think if a person emotionally and is in love with Jesus has a far better opportunity to be successful beyond imagination because of one thing, your love for Jesus Christ. Loving Him. And loving Him, He says, take up your cross and follow Him, which means there are, there are challenges and tough. Being at church tonight is I'm loving Jesus it would have been a whole lot easier on your way home to go through the drive through pick something up, get in your chair when you got home, grab the channel clicker out and take a look at it and watch a little bit of the news and then get you a nap and then go and get you some dessert about 8 o'clock and then shift on off to bed. How do you know, Pastor? I'm always here. Well, I'm here. You see, the culture that we look at today is moving toward not having to pay the price for anything. We want to be served the best. We want to enjoy the best. We want to have the best perch on the hillside. But the culture in which we live today is not willing to pay the price that it takes to go beyond what is normal or beyond what is expected. Our text relates to the seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3. And we know the church we're going to talk about is the church of Philadelphia, known as the church of, or the city of brotherly love. 
at the time of John's writings here, of the seven churches, it enjoyed tremendous success. But it was not handed to them on a silver platter. They experienced all kinds of turmoil and all kinds of difficulty. And all of those churches are a reflection of the culture and society in which we live today. If you choose to live for Jesus, if you choose to support your church, if you choose to engage in your church, if you choose to be connected to others in your church, it will be because you make a decision to accomplish that and you set that as a priority of your life. That's how that will happen. Culture is not up for that. Culture often in the religious realm is a little dab will do you. A little dab will do you. I check the box off. I, I accomplished that goal. Fasting, unless you preach about it, people don't understand in the religious world today, well, what is fasting? People today already make comments about, we don't want you to talk about hell. That's through, too threatening. We have some that say, don't bring heaven's gates, hell's flame back to the church because it's too scary. I had a message one time trying to be creative. It was in my early 20s. I had a little congregation in that first church. It had grown, and I thought, we got to do something. I mean, we just got to wake them up. And I went down to the local funeral parlor, borrowed me a casket, I want you to know I raised the lid, I put a mirror in the bottom of that casket, and I had all about 35 people that we'd grown to at that time walk by and say, look at that casket. I had a couple of old women that about fainted. <laughs> you think I caught the flack over that? How dare you do something? Listen to me. People will coast into hell unless someone grabs their attention by some shock of the Holy Spirit and to get in their way and say, you're not going to get there and it's not going to be easy to get there if I, as your church family, has anything to do with it. We don't pray anymore. God, whatever it takes to get their attention, do that. We have faith. That's why we don't pray it, that God just might do something that gets their attention. So this church, God says to them, I'm aware of your struggles. So for the rest in culture that are endeavoring to be faithful and obedient to God, we fight and swim in an in upstream. We walk against the culture. The, the culture that says, no, don't give up, too much commitment, etc. We're walking and swimming upstream. And that's what this church at Philadelphia, there was no word like, I have something, you've done this and this, but I've got something against you. And in the end, you need to repent. You need to get to cry. You need to hit the altar and make things right again. If you don't, I'm going to take my, my presence out of your midst. That was not the church of Philadelphia. Was it because that they had it easy? Here we go. Revelation 3, verse 8. I know your deeds. 
And see, I have placed before you, before you an open door that no one can shut. And I know you have little strength. Yep, you have kept my word and have not denied my name. You have been true to your commitment to God. True to your commitment to God. In our battle for life and success, there are many struggles. Why? Because life is unkind. The battles of life are always there. There's never enough time when it has something to do with honoring God. Never enough time. Sometimes the choices that we have to make happen to be in a no-win situation. You say, if I make that choice, it's no win. I hate, make that choice, there is no win. Good to great says all. Let me just tell you, there's always a way to win. Well, let me just tell you, there's sometimes in my life that making the best choice was not a winning choice. It was the choice of least resistance. How much damage will take place if we make that call? All around us is pain because of the fall of man. We know that. Living for God, being faithful to God, doing the right thing at the right time because of the fall of man and the manifestation of sin is a challenge. Examples of the struggles. Don't you know, I, I have an affinity because I know of many of our single-parent families. And I've been with some of them a long, long time. And there are many in the church that I truly admire of individuals who have stood strong and stood the test and, and hung in there and raising children on their own, men and women. Some of the challenge, substance addiction today. You hear that opad as you hear about it on the news today and the challenge of drugs, that many as prescription drugs. You hear about child abuse. Who, who would ever think, who would ever think that we'd have challenges in schools as it relates to, to bombs or, or, or like in Austin and challenges of individuals shooting in schools, other students or one student taking a ball bat and beating another to death right here in our county or in fact the stabbing, a man of stabbing his little children and his wife and all that, that that's happened in the last 10 days. The only antidote to stop that is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, who has the power to take a lost life, has the power to take a warped head, has the power to straighten up the drunkard, the power to take away the desire for drugs, the power to take and give us a brand new mind, and the power and the ability to take jealous and envy and murder out of our hearts. It is the love of Jesus Christ. That's why Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday is so important. That's exactly Philadelphia challenged that. We know that there is the lack of finances. There's the divorce. I've sat with many in separation, still don't understand why the spouse just decided to leave. Loneliness is a deep cancer in the lives of some individuals. Or just today, the unfortunate death and drowning of one of our individuals who works here at the church. Of a son that stayed with her not by marriage, for 13 years and drowned, 31 or so years of age. She said, Pastor, I couldn't have talked about it to you yesterday, but today I can talk about it. It's just, wow, they're not there. The consequence of making poor choices. 
Now, all of those things are things that we face here, but I want you to put yourself in one of those churches that John is talking about. I want you to know that the spiritual power of darkness was against every one of those churches. God did not give one of them an easier ride than the other. They all felt the pressure. And what the writer is doing in John and what God was doing through that writer was to let us know in these seven churches, you will see the culture that you live in today in some way or another. You've gone lukewarm. That's one of the churches. I'd rather you be hot or cold than to be lukewarm. Another, you have forgotten your first love. How? Because you were so, you became so successful and so financially fit that the church became a byproduct when it was all you had when you were broken poor. But now that you have something, you wave goodbye to the commitment to the house of God on a consistent basis. All of them had those kind of challenges. But he said, here's what I want you to know. I've given you a specific assignment. And if you go back to the specific assignment of what the cross means, and we'll talk about that Sunday morning, you will understand that the same, same encouragement and requirement to really strive to move forward is still real today. We know that we could avoid it some in some areas of our life. Either way, it doesn't take away the struggle. So what did the church at Philadelphia face? They faced physical bondage. The city at one time, it's lo- where it was located, was a major thoroughfare. You, you had to go through Philadelphia to go to other parts of the country at that day. But in AD 12, there was an earthquake that, that rocked the place. And of course, they did rebuild but it sent shockwaves through that area, and here's what happened. Many people, many people decided to set their dwelling up outside, away from the city of Philadelphia. Once used to be a thriving, thriving city. Once the businesses there were doing great. Once the churches were powerful and strong and large and all of that, but that earthquake was one of those things that placed them in bondage. They faced spiritual ridicule. How can you still hang on to God as a Christian? How can you still hang on and look at the record of what you've been rewarded with by hanging on to God? You've had some people tell you that, I'm sure. They faced one earthquake after another, the poverty, because the cash flow dried up. They faced opportunity to compromise. Oh, how easy it is to compromise when you draw that line down the middle of the paper and you put on this side, been faithful, been faithful. On this side, my need, my need, my need, and it has not been met. And you look and that list gets longer and longer and longer, and your faithful over here is about the only thing on this side here. And if you take your eyes off the goal, you'll begin to see things that will discourage you, that will depress you, that will drain you of your spiritual energy. They face that opportunity, persecution and spiritual examples in their life, for they saw many who gave up. Many that were strong who gave up. Many that, buddy, you could count on them and they were in the race, in the fight. 
and they just laxed, drifted away without having the solid foundation. They could have been disillusioned, and many were. They wanted the same things that you and I want today. But when it said, boy, you'll be a lot better. This is an antichrist spirit. You'll be a lot better if you just join the rest of the gang and and forget the commitment over here. You'll be a lot better if you just, you know, you don't have to pay your whole tithe. You don't have to give in offerings. I mean, that's, that's, all, they, that's all they want down at the church. You don't have to be at, at the service there. I mean, you do have a family, et cetera, et cetera. Ask Job how quickly your family can evaporate. And matter of fact, anything else that you put before the Lord. But he said this. Now, see if, you can, see if you can put this in two frames. I know your struggles. Here's frame one. You know my struggles? Thank God. You're aware of my struggles. Thank you, Jesus. I thought I was all alone out here, but you're aware of my struggles. Here's frame two. You were aware of my struggles, and you didn't do anything? You're aware of my struggles, and you didn't send me a financial miracle. You were aware of my struggles, and you didn't stop that person in their tracks. What's up with you, God? Two frames to look at it. But he said, I know your struggles. He says that. And he also says, but I've given you an open door. Nowhere in Scripture was an open door or an opportunity given to anyone Except God believed they could take advantage of the opportunity and use it for their good and his glory. Not once. I prayed tonight, God, touch our business people to realize the opportunities that come from you. But he said, I give you an open door. Number two, God is aware of your faithfulness. He's aware of your faithfulness. Somebody say amen. He's aware of your faithfulness. Revelation 3, verse number 8. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Oh, you had an opportunity to. You had great opportunity, a lot of leeway here. He said, God immediately, immediately declares, I know your weakness. I see that you're tired. But don't become weary in well-doing. I know you can hardly put one foot ahead of the other. Do you know why? Because it seemed like you're the only one out here on the island, John. There's nobody else out here on Patmos. You look like and you think you're the only one. Elijah, you think you're the only one, don't you? I have people that you don't even know about that are called by my name. We understand they were tired. He acknowledged their commitment of remaining true to that commitment, and he knows that they are faithful. You can only be faithful when you have something to be faithful about. Faithfulness is something that we can all manifest if we choose to do so in life. And listen, friend, it's not the most expedient or the sluggish person who wins, but it is always the most faithful and consistent person. You may not be the fastest, but if you're faithful and consistent, you win. 
You may not have a lot to be able to show for your efforts, but the faithful, consistent person has an open door from the throne of God. The person who digs in deepest is the person that has the open door. We understand all of us live an inconsistent life at times. We do. There's no no way around it. We confess it. God, I've been inconsistent here and here and here. God doesn't chuck us to the curb. What does he do? He gives us another opportunity to become more consistent in our faithful walk with him. And we must never, must never judge ourselves by what other people say or think. People will persuade you into a lie. What others accomplish or what others appear to be or what our circumstances are. We must judge ourselves by what God has given us to accomplish. And here it is. We must do our best. We do our best. God, I don't don't have the greatest talent, but here's my best shot. This is my best. This is my faithfulness, my consistent. And he says, I see you, Philadelphia. And God said, I gave you an open door, and you walk through it with all of your heart. You look around and ask if you are giving and doing your best with the opportunities God has given you right now. I mean, look around you at how blessed you are and what wonderful things God has laid in your lap and how grateful that you are and how praiseworthy you are to talk to God and say, God, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for what I have. I thank you. It might be a good idea to go home tonight and just go room to room and say, I'm thankful right here for this house that you've given me. You put your kids to bed. I'm thankful for them, Lord. Thank God that you have touched them. We understand. Oliver Wendell Holmes said, Junior, I have always sought to guide the future, but it is lonely sometimes trying to play God. Try to guide my own future, but it's lonely trying to play God, realizing that he can't. God will establish your future. I've been around here 29 years. I've seen many of you grow. I've seen you go through the valleys, what I call the valleys of the shadow of death. I've counseled with you when you wanted to kill your kids. Hello? And when you wanted to kill your spouse. I've been with you when your kids didn't like you. Hello? I've been with you when you shared bankruptcy. I've been with you when you couldn't pay attention. I've been with you in the economy and the turn down there. I've been there. I've been through all of those things. But the old Andre Crouch number is through it all. I've learned to trust in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Through it all. Hallelujah. I've learned. I've learned to depend on him. And we understand that when God says to you and says to me, and he said to this church, he said, him who overcomes... I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. So there it is. How will you get to overcome? Faithfulness and consistency. Consistent faithfulness. You will overcome. God gave them that encouraging word. I'll make you the pillar. Why is that important? It is extremely important. When the earthquake took place and they rebuilt they established the pillars, the big, the big concrete, iron, etc. In this church right here, these walls 
right here on the inside are concrete walls about that wide. They poured them right here. They took rebar and rebar and tied rebar and squares about like that all on all of these walls. And so then they stood them up in place. But the slab that the main corners are on, I believe they put a whole cement truck load in the pillars for the foundation. I mean, dumped concrete after concrete after concrete and then poured the footers all the way around to hold the walls up. I, I don't have a problem with this church standing, really, no matter what the storm is. I know it's here. And when they rebuilt the church, the sanctuary, they made sure that even if an earthquake came again, and there were several, but guess what? It stood. So now we find the writer saying, I'll make you so that you understand a pillar, talking about you personally, in the temple of God. So that no matter what wind, no matter what force, no matter what darkness, if you choose to be faithful and stand where I have planted you and you are consistent, it doesn't matter what wind or storm or power or lightning comes along or divorce or financial reverse. Here's what I say to you. I will give you an open door and you will not be moved. Hallelujah. You will not be moved. You are standing on the rock of Almighty God. But we all see people. They're as flip-floppy as could be, and cheap flip-flops too. How many understand that? Here today, gone tomorrow. I can't make their mind up whether they want to be faithful or not. In and out. Their whole life is one misery record after another. Well, let me encourage you to be faithful and consistent in that you have to set that priority, set it on the goal, and understand that one day, the one that counts the most is going to come and give you an evaluation. And you and I will be tested. The pillar meant stability. The earthquake had destroyed it many times. There was fear and instability. That's why many said, we're not going to go back into Philadelphia and set up our house. We're going to set up away from the earthquake zone. But there were some who said, that's where we belong right there. We're going to set up there. Because they had been hit so many times emotionally and spiritually and physically and financially. And when they heard him say, I'll make you a pillar. And that pillar of strength will be found by your will to be faithful and consistent. Secondly, he said the earthquakes will not hinder. The temple represented rest. It represented the place to run to. It represented blessings from God. It represented the promises of the future. And we know that life has many uncertain terms. Many turns that we're not aware of broadside you. 
But God knows our struggles. But he said, also know your faithfulness. And because of that, you don't have to worry about your future, whether you're going to make it or not. You don't have to worry about if a death hits your family, if you're going to make it or not. You don't have to worry if you lose your job. Here's what I believe for the person that's faithful and consistent. God, the only reason I lost that job is right there because I know you got a better one for me. And I never would have quit where I'm at in order to go anywhere else. But you are so good. You are positioning me for better. You're positioning me for better. Does that negate hard work? No. Does it negate prayer? No. Does it negate fasting? No. Does it negate all the things that you do to get up? Somebody asked me in a meeting on Monday, how did, what, what would you attribute your success? I said, number one, I don't like the question. And I don't know that they like my answer. I said, I get up every day and I go to work. Hello? That'd be, that'd be a good book with about 50 pages. I get up every day and go to work. Because I believe when you're following after God, all you have to do is get up. The footsteps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. You would just listen, but you got to get up. And that's where it's at. So here we go. Revelations 3, 11 through 13. And our guys and gals are coming. He says, I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. And never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so I say to you, claim this message as yours. And believe that you have heard from God and stay strong. Amen? Let's stand together. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We acknowledge your holy presence. We know life's filled with one challenge after another. And that's all right, God. It's all right to see those things and experience those things. Most of us have more than we need. Most of us would be secure. If we had to sell our house and take a different job, we'd still be secure. Because, Lord, it doesn't matter as long as you reside in us and as long as you say to us, if you're faithful and consistent, I'll give you an open door. You just go ahead and walk through it. You'll be the pillar that other people will look at and say, I've been watching them and thinking they would crash any day now, but they haven't crashed yet. What is it that's holding them up? It's their faithfulness and consistent effort to follow Jehovah God. God, in your name, speak to every heart and every life. And just in case there's some here tonight that you're listening online, or in fact, you're here in this room, I'm going to ask everyone to repeat this prayer with me. Would you do that right now, please? Dear Heavenly Father, 
I believe by faith that you died on the cross for all my sins. Would you forgive me? I have not trusted you like I should. I have misbehaved. I have made mistakes. And I need your help. So right now, please forgive me. I believe, according to your word, that I am forgiven. Now I desire to follow you with expediency and with love and with anxious anticipation. So use my life in Jesus' name, by your power and by your spirit. Amen. Amen. We believe God answered prayer. Amen. We have the altar workers here. If you need prayer, there's something on your heart that has been weighting you down. Something there that you can't shake. You can't shake. God is going to shake it loose from you. But what will it take? Faithfulness, obedience, and just being consistent. If you've got Easter coming and you've been praying for a loved one and God's just now laying them on your heart, bring them on down to the altar. Just bring them on down in your heart and watch them come down on Sunday. Amen? See if that won't happen. We're going to worship and give you a chance, an opportunity to respond as God directs you. Would you do that? Here we go. The secret place of the Most High is where I abide. It's where I abide. And more and more I long to be by your side. It's where I hide. It's where I hide in the secret place. The secret place of the most high is where I abide, it's where I abide more and more, more and more I long to be by your side, it's where I hide, it's where I hide, I desire you. Desire you in all I do, in all I do. My soul thirsts for you. I give my all. I give my all to you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. I thank you for the love that only you can give by the power of your anointing. Your word is alive and powerful. I pray in the name of Jesus, you would encourage everybody 
to believe that there is nothing that is impossible to you and that all things are possible to those that believe. I thank you because I know we are on your side. You're not necessarily, as we often say, I want you to be on my side, God. No, I want to be on your side because on your side, everything works. You do the creative work. You do the maintenance. You do the harvesting. So we trust you now. In the name of Jesus, the strong Son of God, we give you praise and honor. And now I speak to the enemy, and I rebuke him by the authority of Jesus Christ. Loose your hand off some people and their finances, their life, their family, their unsafe family members. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. By the authority of your word, Father, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Everybody believe? Amen? All right. God bless you. Shake a few hands before you leave, and God bless you and love Jesus. Spirit of God, all my worship to the chorus. Come on. It's God.